morning. My name is Haley Ballast. I'm a candidate coordination here at John Knox and an elder. And this morning, our text is Psalm 67. And maybe you didn't hear the very beginning, so I'm going to read it, just the first two verses. <laughs> may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because at the end of our worship services every week, we have a blessing. And many times it's an echo of this blessing in Psalm 67 because it comes from the same text that this psalm is borrowing from, Numbers 6, 24 to 26, which says, May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Very similar to our text today, but you might have noticed the pronouns are different. So are you ready for some grammar? I didn't hear you. I said, are you ready for the grammar? I am a huge grammar nerd, which is never annoying for anyone in my life. So the blessing in numbers, which we use at the end of the service, is written in this way. It's written in the second person plural. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And it's written this way because in the book of numbers, Moses is giving instruction, let me switch that, God is giving instruction to Moses and he's telling Moses what to tell the priests. So this is the part of the Bible where Moses is receiving all this instruction about how the church should function, how the, how the people of Israel should function. And so God tells Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them this is how you are to bless the Israelites. So it's in the second person plural because it is one person blessing the other person. This is something one group of people is speaking over a second group of people, second person plural. Our text is in the first person plural, which means that it is written to be spoken reflexively. And that means that it's written to be spoken about or over the speakers themselves. So the whole community is invited in this Psalm to speak for ourselves, to say, God bless us and keep us. It's participatory, it's communal. It invites us to invoke this blessing over a collective group of people to which we ourselves belong. So the barrier between the priest, the blessing giver, and the people, the blessing receivers, in this psalm, that barrier is broken down. We recognize each other as partners in blessing. I am blessing you and you are blessing me. So with just one little shift in language from second person to first person, we have this beautiful invitation into the shared blessing of God. See, I told you grammar was fun. <laughs> so in Numbers, God is giving instruction to Moses, but in Psalm 67, it's not priestly instruction, it's a song. The very beginning of that psalm, it says that it's for the leader to be played with stringed instruments, and it's a song. So this is written for God's people to sing and worship. And not just any worship service, but a particular worship service, the worship service at the Festival of the Harvest. This is also called the Festival of Weeks, or Shavuot. And when the, when the wheat is harvested in the late spring, people come from throughout 
the diaspora, all the places where the Jews have, have been sent, and they bring their first fruits to Jerusalem. They offer them to God at the time of the harvest, and there's this huge party, there's this big feast, and there's a lot of worship, and they sing this song, and they invoke the blessing of God. So what does it look like to be blessed by God? Well, in the context of this harvest festival, we might say that it looks like gathering our ripened crops and seeing that our labor was not in vain. So we might ask one another, how do you know that you're blessed by God? And we might say, well, I watered, I planted my seeds and I watered them and I worked the fields and here is my fruit. My efforts yielded a harvest. I was successful. And I think this is a really common definition of blessing in the church today. We, we pray, God, would you bless our community by bringing something good and pleasing out of our efforts? We often pray for our ministries in this way. We worked hard to organize an event and plan a program. And we pray for God's blessing upon it. May it be successful. And we pray for our own lives this way. We've been working hard at our jobs. We pray that God would bless us with a promotion that we know we deserve. We put in effort to study for our test and we ask God to bless us with a good grade. So God bless us often means something like, God, may we have success. And before I go any further, I want to affirm that these are faithful prayers. Many of the Psalms have prayers like this in them. But our text today is Psalm 67. And Psalm 67 is not a prayer for success. This Psalm contains a very specific theology of blessing. And I don't think it's as simple as our typical def definitions of blessing as success or as things working out well for us. The theology of blessing that we find in Psalm 67 is expansive and it is specific. It is expansive and specific. And at first those things might sound at odds with each other, but this Psalm holds them together in a really beautiful and maybe surprising way. So let's look first at the expansive aspect of this Psalm. This Psalm has just seven verses. And in those seven verses, nine times, does it reference the nations or the peoples, or in the last verse, all the ends of the earth. Nine times, the Psalm refers to people expansively. This song has in view not only the gathered community of God, those who made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the festival and brought their first fruits, but the nations, nine times it says the nations, the peoples, the ends of the earth. And this repetitive phrasing harkens back to Genesis 17, when God makes a covenant with Abraham and promises to make Abraham the ancestor of many nations. The repetitive phrasing of that, that great multitude of nations is also something that the Apostle Paul picks up on in Galatians 3. In writing to the church, Paul interprets this blessing from Genesis 17. According to Paul, when God tells Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you, God is, in fact, declaring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, beforehand to, his, to our ancestor Abraham. 
He's giving Abraham a preview of what God will do through Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of that promise. So this theology of blessing that we find in Psalm 67 and in Genesis 17 and in Galatians 3 is one that impacts and includes all the peoples of the earth. In other words, when God is gracious to us, when God blesses us, when God makes his face shine upon us, it is good news, not only for the congregation, for the assembly, for the church, it is good news for all the ends of the earth. It is expansive. And when this happens, when God blesses us in this way, what does it look like? And this is where we come to that specific aspect of God's blessing. Because this Psalm doesn't leave us in the dark about what it looks like to experience the blessing of God. In those first two verses, it says, God bless us that your way may be known upon the earth, your saving power among all nations. And that phrase, saving power, it's the Hebrew word Yeshua, it means salvation. So to paraphrase verses one and two, may God pour out blessing and grace so that the nations may know salvation. So unlike the earlier prayer, God, give me success. This is a prayer that says, God, give the nations salvation. And salvation is a word that has meant a lot of different things to different parts of the church across time and space. For long periods of Christian history, salvation was just a matter of where you were born. If you're born on one side of the river, you're a saint destined for glory. If you're born on the other side of the river, sorry, you're a heathen burning in hell. And the irony, of course, is that each side believed the other side was the saint or the, or the sinner. And that was how they believed salvation worked. When I was in college, the parachurch ministry that I was a part of distributed tracts with instructions on how to get saved, how to, how to attain salvation by praying this specific prayer. You just follow the directions, that's it. So on the whole, these different ideas of salvation, most of the time, because we're humans, we tend to define salvation as what you attain when you become like us. Just become like us, that's how you get saved. Unless you're Jesus, I'm not sure that works. And it's definitely not the picture of salvation that we see in Psalm 67. Remember, this psalm is, su is sung at harvest time, and it paints a picture of all the nations celebrating, praising God, singing for joy. The other day I was talking to a friend and they used the word salutary. And I, I don't hear that word very often, so it kind of stuck it stuck with me and I looked it up and it has the same root as this Hebrew word Yeshua as the word salvation salutary it means producing good effects promoting or contributing to well-being salvation in Psalm 67 is salutary to the nations it produces demonstrable meaningful benefit so much so that they're moved to joyful praise 
Salvation is not this message of be like us, but rather it speaks a word to the nations that says be well, be well. Is this what we have in mind when we ask for God to bless us? Do we desire and long for and labor toward the full blessing of God, a blessing that is good news, not just to us, but to people who are not us? This is counterintuitive in a lot of ways because it requires us to reorient ourselves away from our ingrained patterns of self-protection and self-promotion toward God's pattern of promoting well-being for all peoples. And if this sounds impossible or overwhelming, here is some good news. This psalm also tells us that God goes before us in this. When we turn our eyes toward the ones who are not here, we find that God is already there. Verse four says, God judges the nations with equity. God guides the nations upon earth. So the discernment and the guidance and the, pro the provision that we will need is all part of this blessing as well. God is on the move, not just inside the church, but also beyond it. And I hope that you have had a chance over the last few weeks to see some of the videos that the Thriving Congregations team has been sharing on Realm and through the weekly. And as a team, we have been working with this question. What would it look like for our church to actively promote the well-being of our community. And one thing that we're finding as we start working to build partnerships with various organizations and institutions here is that we have so much to learn from one another. There is so much possibility for us to bless one another. And this possibility, it beckons us forward and invites us to imagine what the blessing of God, the salvation of God, that which produces good things for the well-being of the nations. What does that look like right here? What if when we say, may God bless us, we have in view the whole community? And what if we lived out this blessing in such a way that our community echoed it back to us Yes, amen, may God bless us. May we become partners in blessing, breaking down barriers, and experiencing the blessing of God together and the salvation of God together in this place. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Amen. Let's pray.